Man, good morning, everyone. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Amen. Jane did say that it is almost the end of January, and uh, I can't believe there's no snow on the ground out there. I'm like, what is up with that? So, so, and also, I did hear this phrase during our announcements. Um, I did hear this phrase. It's not high class, but it's a lot of fun. I didn't know if she was describing the arcade or me, like her date, right? So I wasn't quite sure what she was saying there. Uh, but, but no, just to tag on that, that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and so we just wanted to create an opportunity for church couples to get together. And uh, it's a cheap date night that we can just go hang out together and all of that stuff. Now, uh, it's okay if you go stag on that. You don't need to bring a date or nothing like that. Uh, uh, it's just 15 bucks a person. Um, also, one of those awesome things that we do as a way of BGM fundraiser, right around Valentine's Day, is we do like these Valentine's Day uh, telegrams, and we, you, can, you can purchase one for $5 in the foyer, and then all that money goes straight to missions. And, uh, and we're able to write uh, a, a couple terms of endearment to our Valentine and all of that stuff. And so last year... Uh, Jane forgot what I had written, but I said, I said, Jane, you must have just come out of the kitchen because you are smoking hot. And, um, and it, was, it was just one of those things. Where it was, oh, yeah, you must have been by the oven. See, now I forget. But um, where's Jeannie? Jeannie's in, is Jeannie here today? Jeannie's downstairs serving. God bless her. But um, Jeannie used to quote that to me, like, every time she'd see me, she'd quote these cheesy pickup lines that I use. I'm like, Jeannie, of all the sermons that I preach, that's the thing you quote the most from me? I'm like, oh, Lord, help us, and all that. But, you know, it's just a, a fun way. Well, God is moving in our midst. Uh, God is never, ever ceasing to move and to, new, to do new things. And... Um, and, and I want Jane to come forward for just a moment because something just very interesting happened to us this week. And, and uh, uh, we, next week we want to have communion. And so I was, had Connie order communion. Um, and Connie texted me on Friday. And, and I guess there was no communion on the internet where we normally buy it. We just normally, you know, Amazon it or Google it or something. And they ship it straight to us. But I guess there is a uh, shortage on communion supplies. Can you imagine that? No yeah. communion anywhere. Yeah. So I guess that's a good thing. That's a good thing that people are buying into communion. And uh, so, so we ordered some from Lion and the Lamb, which was over in Salem, and we had to go pick it up. Well, Jane was already passing through, so I had asked Jane to go into the bookstore in Salem to pick this up for me. And then this is when something kind of unique happened to Jane. Now, remember that little tidbit. That goes with it also. But I was also, three, the last two days before this happened, my dad had had surgery. We had a complication. There was just a lot of stuff going on. I had jury duty. So I had three days of no work. My stress was through the roof. Um, and dad was not feeling well. He's great now. Thank you. Um, but long story short, I'm, we're pulling into Lion and the Lamb, and I'm like, Dad, I'll be real quick, I promise. We're not going to be in there long. I just got to go to the counter, get the stuff, and get out. And this little old lady's walking across the street super slow, and I'm like, okay. She got out of the way. I pulled in, parked, 
and I get out of the car, and I, I'm like hot on this lady's tail because I'm, I'm in a hurry, and I walk up, and there was literally, okay, guys, this is where my mind starts getting blown. There's a chair sitting in the middle of the doorway, an office desk chair sitting in the middle of the doorway. Odd, right? And the carpet's ruffled up. So this little old lady turns around and goes, and she's probably going to kill me for saying little old lady, but she goes, and never looks at me, never looks at me. She goes, oh, don't trip over this. Be careful. This shouldn't be here. And instantly I knew who that was. The voice was... It was an angel. Um, it was my, one of my mom's best friends. And I said, Dolores, is that you? And she turns and looks at me, and I instantly start crying. Because I'm like, she hasn't been, she doesn't live here. She's, she lives in Kentucky. I have not seen her in six years. Um, I have not been in Lion and Lamb Christian Bookstore in over ten years. The odds of us two meeting off the charts and then on top of it, for them to have a desk chair, because if she wouldn't have spoken, I would have never noticed it was her. She would have walked on down the aisle, and I would have never seen her, never put the two together. We would have had never had the meeting. Um, and she turned and looked at me, and she says, Jane, your family has been on my heart for the last two days. God had me praying for you. Excuse me? What? Um, she says, yeah, I didn't know why, but he just had this urge on my heart that I needed to be praying for your family for these last two days. I haven't seen her in six years. Why would God put, her, put my family on her heart out of the blue? And for us to be able to meet, like I said, I mean, all those little things happen. You can't tell me God doesn't care. He is with us in all moments, at all times. Don't get mad when you get stuck behind a slow person driving. There's a reason. <laughs> God has a reason, and don't question it. Um, but yeah, I just, I, my mind was blown. I'm sorry. I'll stop talking. I, yeah. I just wanted to share, you guys, you have no idea how many people are praying for you, or, you know, there's been many times, you guys have probably heard the story of me when Malachi was in Hawaii, and God put it on my heart to pray, and little did I know there was a shooting going on at that moment. I mean, there are times when God puts somebody on your heart to pray, I've learned so much from these sermons these last few weeks. Man, you better be on your knees praying. You better be praying when you're washing the dishes. You better be praying at all times Um, because you don't know. You don't know. And that was just so amazing to see God reveal to me that he's got this. We're good. Amen. Yeah, we just had had to share that because that was a... Yeah, give the Lord a clap offering for that. Yeah, we had to share that just because that was just um, one of those things, you know, uh, the world might say coincidence, but we don't believe in coincidence, right? We believe that God is orchestrating all things, and uh, for Jane to run into a family friend who lives out of state, who just happened to be praying for her at the exact time she needs, that's not coincidence. That's a God thing. And so uh, we believe in the power of prayer. We're in a series entitled... Prayer changes everything. How many of you guys know that prayer changes everything? Amen. Amen. I hope that we believe that thesis this morning because in and of ourselves, you know, you and I are powerless. But when we pray, we pray to a God who speaks to the storms and the storms quiet down. A God who has all control. You know, in and of ourselves, you know, we feel oftentimes we feel depleted. But when we pray, we pray to a God who gives life and gives life more abundantly. 
Amen? So many times you and I, we feel like we're powerless in and of our own lives to change the circumstances to, uh, around us. And God, we say, God, man, I just feel, feel so vulnerable. I just feel like I can't do nothing. I feel like I can't, uh, I can't change a single thing about the situation that I'm stuck in. Well, that's when you and I can go to the Lord in prayer. And we know that we pray to a God who makes the sun stand still, right? Our God can do anything and he does exceedingly above and beyond anything that you and i could ever comprehend and so we've been looking at prayer and what prayer is in our lives you and i we you know we started out looking at the right approach to prayer and we looked at matthew chapter 6 and we looked at you know jesus talking about the pharisees and the pharisees should have of all people they should have known how to pray the jewish people should have known how to pray but jesus was calling out and saying hey you know what they have the wrong approach to prayer they're praying um for all the wrong reasons and all the wrong places in front of all the wrong people and he begins to set uh the stage for how we should pray and he begins to set an attitude saying you know that we're supposed to pray in the quiet place and speak to god and and, and all of those things. And then we, we looked on and we carried it even step, one step further. Because in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, this is how you should pray. And he begins the Lord's Prayer. And we dissected the Lord's Prayer. And uh, we looked at what it means to pray unto God a cor the correct way. Last week we went old school. We went to a story in the Old Testament on uh, Habakkuk chapter 2. And how Habakkuk stood his watch. And we understood what it meant to hear from God in our prayers. How many of you guys have trouble sometimes hearing from God? I think we all do from time to time. Um, and we're like, how do we hear from God in our, in our, through our prayer life? How do we, you know, we do a lot of talking in our prayer life, but how do we hear from God? So we looked at Habakkuk and how to hear from God. You can go onto our, our website or our podcast and you can revisit any of those topics. But today, uh, I kind of want to take... Um, time out to look at the other side of the coin. We've been looking at a lot of uh, philosophy. We've been kind of looking at the blueprint of prayer. Like, if we were to diagram prayer and lay it all out, this is what prayer is. But today I want to uh, not so much look at the blueprint. I want to look at the nuts and bolts of it. Okay? So today I want to get out of the boardroom and I want to get to the production floor. Okay? Because this is usually where we have a breakdown. Not so much in the boardroom, but in the production floor. And I want to look at a passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 26, um, where we encounter a real-life prayer meeting that is happening. This prayer meeting consists of four people. It doesn't take place in a church. It takes place in a garden. And, uh, and I want to start reading at verse 36. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. The scripture should be up behind me, um, I think, maybe. Uh, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and his two sons of Zebedee along with them, and he began to be sorrowful, and he began to be troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And I love what Jesus said. The, the language Jesus uses here to describe prayer. He says, stay here and keep watch with me. And we, we spent some time talking about that phrase, keep watch. 
Um, you know, we looked at Habakkuk last week, and it's a military analogy, and it's implying that we're going to go to a solitary place, and we're going to focus um, on, on the Lord and focus on the things that are around us. And we're going to keep a watchful eye on what is happening and what God is doing. And that's what Jesus is saying prayer is like. Will you stand watch with me? Keep watch. And, and then I love the last little phrase there. He says, with me. Because that so beautifully describes what prayer is. When we are alone in a place, we, are, uh, we, we may be alone in, in, in our bodies, but we're, just, we're not alone. We are with God. The Lord's presence is there. And that's really what prayer is. Prayer is spending time with Him. Verse 39 says, going a little farther, He fell with His face to the ground and He prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And then He returned to His disciples and He found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And at this moment, Jesus really diagnoses the entirety of our problems that you and I have with prayer. And we understand that in the scripture that our problem is oftentimes not with the blueprint. And our problem is not in the boardroom. Um, See, our, Jesus says our spirit is willing. Um, he says we're in our, in our own spiritual man, we are capable and we're wanting to do this. We know all about prayer. We know the importance of prayer. We know the right ways to pray. In fact, at this point um, here in the Garden of Gethsemane, the disciples had already asked Jesus in Luke chapter 11, Lord, teach us to pray. And they had received the, the Lord's prayer and they had already received that instruction. So they were not new to prayer. They knew all about prayer. So their issue here is not their desire to pray or their blueprint or philosophy or their teaching or their framework on prayer. They had all of that down pat. The problem wasn't the spiritual man. In the spiritual man, they had the right approach. They had the right posture. They knew the right mechanics of prayer. They knew how to speak from God and how to hear from God. Jesus says their problem wasn't in the spiritual man. Their problem was that the flesh is weak. Spirit man wasn't the problem. The flesh is. How many of you guys have that same issue? I know me too, right? I, I feel that um, not just with prayer, but usually across the board. I'm on a diet right now. I feel that daily. The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. I feel that a lot of times when, when I'm praying or when I'm trying to execute from the Lord. The problem wasn't their plan, it was the execution of their plan. And so I think from a practical standpoint, this is where you and I fall short a lot of times. I remember as a young teenager, uh, back in the early 90s, uh, maybe late 80s, right around there, right around 80, 89, 90, somewhere in that time period, uh, as a young teenager going to youth group at church, um, we used to use this term called on fire, right? That means like you're zealous and 
oh man, he's on fire for God. He's really enthusiastic about God. Now we just say it's lit. So however you guys want to say it, man, that's lit. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I think we're all more of an on fire crowd, right? <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about, right? I see a couple people that say, man, that's lit, right? So no matter how, what, what you say, it just means like this unbridled enthusiasm. It means it's, it's cool, it's fresh. And so that's this point where I was at in my walk with God, man. It was just, everything was just alive and I was just so energetic. And so one summer, me and my buddies, we decided, man, we are going to be gung-ho for God. And in our church, uh, our church was normally locked up, but uh, we had this kind of foyer area that was always unlocked. And you could go to the church, and in this foyer area that was always unlocked, up a flight of stairs was a room that we called the upper room, and it was a prayer room. And you could pray 24-7. You could just pray any time that you felt like praying. It was always unlocked at the church. And, uh, and so we had this plan as young, lit, on-fire, young teenagers for God. We were going to spend our summer vacation at 6 a.m. prayer meeting. All summer long. If you, my wife knows me, this is a tall order for me. 6 a.m., I'm like, how about 10 a.m., right? I, I like 10 a.m. prayer meeting better. I like 2 p.m. prayer meeting even better, right? Let's get some food in us and all that stuff. But um, I'm like, okay, 6 a.m. prayer meeting. So we decided that we're going to go to prayer meeting, and I'm only... I am only 16 or 17 at the time. I mean, I'm, I'm just a young buck there. But anyway, uh, so we get to prayer meeting, and I remember going, and man, we are so on fire and lit for God, and man, we're praying up a storm for about the first 15 minutes. And then I am, uh, what, do we, what do we call that in Bible college? I'm spending time with, uh, uh, like, brother sheets and sister pillows, right? Something like that and spending time, um, I'm sleeping in the spirit. That's what it is. And I'm like out cold. And, and my, my friends have to wake me up at just at seven so I can go home, you know. And, and this would happen like frequently. And then sometimes they wouldn't wake me up till 7.30 or 8 o'clock because they fell asleep too. And we all got a little extra sleep in that day. But it was like, oh man, you know, the, the spirit is willing the Spirit so wanted to do this. The Spirit was so in tune, like, I'm so focused in my mind to pray, but then it falls short in the flesh. And this is the breakdown that you and I have. It's like battling flesh to get where our spirit wants it to go. Um, and so today I kind of want to look at some practical ways, like how we can overcome our flesh. You know, I've determined in my life if we don't have a strategic plan, then sometimes it just doesn't happen. So how do we overcome flesh in our prayer time? And the best way is to develop a strategic, um, a strategic plan against that. And so today, I don't know if you guys picked up in your hand a sheet of paper. It was a color wheel. Did those get handed out? So you guys should all have one of those today. Now this is not, if you've been coming on Wednesday nights, this is not new to you. Uh, so this is something that we've been walking through on Wednesday nights. And what this is called is a prayer circle. So this is a, a tool that I've used a lot of times throughout my life that helps keep me focused in my prayers. And um, what it is, is it's 12 
uh, it's really 12 steps that will help us. And, and, uh, and so today I'm going to challenge you just to spend one minute of prayer in each category. And so today, if I'm titling my sermon, it's entitled 12 Minutes That Will Revolutionize Your Prayer Life. 12 Minutes That Will Revolutionize Your Prayer Life. Um, and these 12 steps are designed to help you win the battle against flesh in your prayer time. Okay? Uh, so you can follow along on your prayer wheel. Uh, but the very first minute that we want to spend is a minute of praising and adoring God. It all starts with praise and adoration. Um, this is important because this helps set the right mindset for our prayers. This gets us in the right framework to pray when we spend time with the Lord. Uh, I'm a huge Chicago Bears fan, and I remember uh, the, the last Super Bowl that we won. It was a long time ago. It was 1985. I was just a little kid. But I was watching highlights of it, and one of my heroes, um, I was, the highlights of it, he's in a huddle. Um, Mike Singletary's in a huddle, and the defense is all around him. And he's gathering the defense, and he's rallying the defense. And he says, I don't care what you've got on your mind. Get it off and think football. And then he goes, am I right? And he lifts his hands and says, you know, and the rest of the team does, am I right? Am I right? Am I right? And they keep doing it. He's like, okay, let's go. But the idea was is to clear your mind and focus it on football. Well, this is what praise and worship does for you and I. It clears our minds from all of the clutter that, that is floating around in there, all of the stuff that the world has for us, everything that we got to do before and after, and it helps focus our attention on the Lord. This is why praise and worship is so important. Um, we do this at the beginning of every service because it helps clear our palate, so to speak. It clears the slate so that you and I can now give God the due attention that he needs. Psalm 100 says this, Shout to the Lord all the earth, worship the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful songs, know that the Lord is God, it is he who made us, and we are his, and we are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. And then here's the verse that you probably heard before, enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise, give thanks to him, and his praise, uh, and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And, and the psalmist here tells us to enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. And if, if you were uh, accustomed to the Old Testament temple, these would be the very first things that you would encounter there. You would encounter the gates and then the outer courts and the inner courts. And, and the psalmist is saying we should enter into that very first phase with praise and worship and when we do that it allows us to clear our palate and enter in to prayer the way that God wants us to focused on him the second minute that will revolutionize your prayer life is learning to wait on the Lord Psalm 46 10 says this be still and know that I am God I am exalted among the nations and I'll be exalted in the earth and in our culture it's hard to understand waiting because you and I have negative connotations about waiting I don't think anybody in here likes to wait do we we wait everywhere we wait at drive-through we wait at doctor's offices we wait for utilities to come we wait for insurance companies to call us back we wait for phone calls we wait we wait we wait in fact 
um, people that log such things estimate that in our lifetime, you and I will have spent five years of our life waiting. And they say within that five years waiting, six months of that waiting is at traffic lights. Uh, now, if you live in Rogers and you never go anywhere but Rogers, you're probably going to shave some time off of that six months, <laughs> right? Me, I feel the opposite way. I feel like I hit every red light possible. So I probably have about 12 months at stoplights. Uh, but we wait, and in our, in our culture, waiting has a negative connotation to it. But how many of you guys know that waiting can be a good thing? Waiting is a good thing. It, when we wait, it teaches us that it's not about us, that it's about God. What we're doing is we're yielding ourselves unto God and saying, you know what, God, it's not about instant gratification, but it's about getting to know you. Waiting can be a good thing. How many of you guys have ever had children, right? Uh, there is a nine-month process that is involved in, uh, in a pregnancy, right? And you don't want to rush that process. Um, if, if that process happens too early, then you know what? Bad things happen. The risk of the mother, the risk of children, um, the, the, I'm sorry, the health of the children, they're at risk. And so it's good, it's good to wait nine months. We happily wait that nine months because we know that if we wait during that pregnancy, that waiting period allies, um, I'm sorry, that waiting period allows the optimal peak outcome, right? If we rush that process, it does not. And so we willingly wait for that. Um, and as I've talked to every pregnant lady, and, and I've, uh, you know, I, I've known quite a few pregnant ladies through the years, but in that waiting process, we're excited at month one, but we're really excited at, at eight and a half, right? You know, we are, we are eagerly anticipating. And so what happens is, is in that waiting process, waiting builds expectation. It builds excitement. It's like every, every kid at Christmas that has a chain uh, waiting the countdown for Christmas, right? We break off one loop every... I mean, they're anxiously waiting. And as Christmas draws nearer and nearer, they get more excited and more excited. And that's what waiting on God does. It allows the, our anticipation to grow for the things of God. I need to get moving today. Uh, number three, the third minute that I believe will revolutionize your life is confession. Confession is nothing more than cleaning house. You have to do it. I'll tell you, uh, most of our houses, we have like these little plastic containers, and in these plastic containers is where all of our trash goes. How many of you guys take your trash out regularly? Right? I'd like to see every hand here, hopefully, right? Um, if you don't, then you're probably a teenager, right? Uh, so, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> uh, so I, someone was guilty, <laughs> guilty conscience, right? We, um, you know what, we, we take our trash out regularly. There's a reason why we take our trash out regularly. Because if we don't take our trash out regularly, it stinks. And it begins to smell up. And this is what confession.
regularly. First uh, John 1 9 says this if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And so if we confess our sins to the Lord you know what he forgives us our sins he's faithful to do that and so we can take anything before the Lord and if we're sincere and we repent and we ask for forgiveness he wipes it clean it's like taking out the garbage um, um, and so many times when we don't do that you and I get trapped into this idea of thinking that things are okay that we're that we're optimizing but we're really not when I was growing up in class and I don't think they had these things anymore but we had chalkboards, right? Do they still use chalkboards or is it just all digital now? And okay, okay. Um, so we still have chalkboards and the chalkboard starts out, I remember at the beginning of the year, it starts out black, but then you write on it and, uh, and you write in your chalk and it's usually white or different colors or whatever. And then they have an eraser and you erase it. Um, well, you erase it and you get rid of it but yet it leaves this white smudge everywhere and so you use that a couple days and you use that a couple days and a couple days more and more and more and and pretty soon that black chalkboard is no longer black it's now like this grayish filmy chalk covered layer over it you guys know what i'm talking about right and then when i was a kid growing up uh i think weekly someone got to wash the chalkboard. Every kid wanted to wash the chalkboard. That was like the privilege because you get to have a bucket of water and a big sponge. And what we do is we'd go out and we would, we would clean it and we'd clean off all that dust and then it would return to black. Well, so many times you and I have unconfessed sin in our lives and we've forgotten about it and we think we're okay with it and we just kind of leave it in our life, but it's really just kind of this sludge that's built up. And if we don't deal with it the way that God tells us to deal with it, we develop like this film in our lives that we're totally unaware of. We think we've erased it, but yet there's residue in there. That's why you and I have to take our problems to the Lord. We have to ask the Lord for forgiveness. You know, we can forgive other people and we can, we, you know, we can ask other people to forgive us. We can forgive ourselves. We can forget all about it, but it's God's forgiveness that we really need. Amen? You guys tracking with me today? So confession is a good thing. It's like taking out the garbage in our lives, and it needs to be done frequently. Confess our sins regularly. It's always a good thing. The fourth minute that will revolutionize our lives today is to Scripture pray. See, Scripture contains all sorts of genres within it. I don't know if you guys have studied the Bible a lot, but there's historical books and there's historical accounts. There's books of poetry. There's books of wisdom. There's uh, Old Testament, New Testament. There's all sorts of different writers. There's like songs and, and um, there's like little clips um, in, in like uh, Ecclesiastes and in Proverbs and just wisdom and all sorts of different genres, but within our Bible, there's also something that is really awesome to us. There are almost 9,000 promises that God makes to his people in the Bible. There are nine, almost 9,000 of them that God makes. And how many of you guys know that when you're going through life situations, you could really use one of those promises? 
so what we can do is we can open up our scripture and we can open up our scripture and we can read scripture and we can pray that into our lives. So maybe you're here today and you're fearful. Maybe you're fearful about a job situation. Maybe you're starting a new job. Maybe you're losing a job. Maybe you're worried about money and, and having enough money for next week. Maybe, um, maybe you're worried about retirement, having enough for retirement. Maybe you're getting old and you can't do your current job. Maybe you're here today and, uh, and you've lost someone close to you and you're just worried about doing life without that person and you don't know where to go and how to begin. You know what? In, in all of life's struggles, we can open up Scripture and stand on the Word of God. For example, Isaiah 41.10. Uh, it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you, and I will uphold you by my righteous hand. And so what we can do is when we feel that anxiety and we can feel that stress, we can read this and we can be like, okay, God, your, your word tells me fear not. Your words, okay, so, so Lord, help me to not be fearful. Help me to know that you got this. You tell me um, that you are God and that you will strengthen me. God, your word tells me that you're going to give me strength. Your word tells me that you're going to empower me. And so, Lord, today in this place, help me to feel your strength. Help me to, to feel stronger than when I started this conversation with you. Help me to, to feel strong enough to battle that which is set before me. Because your word tells me you'll give me strength. But not only do I have to rely on my own help, your word tells me I will help you. And you're going to uphold me. So, Lord, Lord, I'm asking for your help in this situation. I'm asking that when I feel weak and I feel like falling down, Lord, your word tells me that you're going to uphold me. And you uphold me. And you give me strength. And that's how reading scripture applies directly to our prayer life. We can take that, uh, the words, the promises of God, and pray them into our life in a real, practical way. It is. Um, the fifth minute that will revolutionize our prayer time is watching watching and i don't want to spend a whole lot of time here we dealt with this extensively last week but colossians 4 2 says devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful you and i need to keep uh, a keen eye on what is going on around us when we pray because God is moving around us and God is doing neat things. And we see things like God is doing in, in, in Jane's life and how someone was praying for her. And, and we can watch that stuff go on and that encourages us. And, and it lets us know, hey, this prayer thing is working. We can watch what God is doing and we can be attentive to that. But also, there's the flip side of that. We need to keep an eye on what the devil's doing too. We need to be watchful of what Satan is doing and not be oblivious to it. So in our prayer life, it's kind of watching is double-fold. We're, we're watching one way. We're watching what God is doing. We're also watching what the enemy is doing so that we are not naive to, to his uh, tactics. The sixth minute that will revolutionize our prayer life is to intercede. Now, interceding or intercession is when you and I purposely pray for other people. You know, we're, we're supposed to pray for other people. 
That's a good thing. And I always start usually praying for the, the people that matter most to me, my family, for my wife and for my kids and for my extended family. You probably do the same thing too, right? We pray for them. But we also can pray for our church family. And we do that regularly. We pray on Wednesday nights. We pray on Sunday mornings. But we have a prayer chain. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but you can... Um, if you're on the prayer chain, you guys already know that we just we have a text thread that everybody's in the text thread. And what's really cool about it is the moment that you mention it, there are people that get that instantaneously and are praying instantaneously. So cell phones can be a good thing at times, right? Now, if you're in the church and say, I didn't even know that, all you have to do is call, call the church or, or call Connie or call um, anyone who's on the prayer team and we will get that in that text thread. And it happens in real time. And so how awesome is it to pray for not only our family, but our church family? That's one of the reasons why it's great to be a part of a church. Because we do Christianity together. And, and when I have a need, I'm just not praying for it by myself. But I have a whole army of people that are enlisted to pray with me. You know, going to God in that. It's an awesome thing. Uh, but we can also pray, and, and I don't want you to neglect this, we can pray for our family, we can pray for our church family, we can pray for our acquaintances, we can pray for you know, our mailman, um, our butcher, you know, our doctor, we can pray for all these people we know. We can also pray for people that we do not know. You can intercede for people that you do not know. For example, I do not know President Biden. I know he's not in my, not, his phone number's not in my phone or nothing like that, you know. I do think he has a few of my documents in his garage, though, uh, that I sent him. But, <laughs> right. Uh, but anyway, anyway, you know what? I pray for our president regularly. I don't know him, but I should be praying for him. Not just him, but all of our elected officials. I don't know them, but I should be praying for them. I should be interceding for them. Um, on their behalf. We should be praying for uh, people that are just not here within a, in our country, but outside of our country. We should be interceding for people in the Ukraine, people in Russia, people in China, people in North Korea, people in Iran and Iraq and Afghanistan. We should be praying regularly for the persecuted church around the world. People that we do not know. We can make intercession for all sorts of people. And that's what God tells us to do. One of the best things that you can do is pray for people, pray for other people. I don't know if you've ever been in one of those situations um, where you say, I feel powerless, I feel helpless, there's not a thing I can do. You know, maybe a friend comes down with, you know, stage four cancer, and there ain't a thing you can do. You know what one of the best things that you can do is pray. You can always pray. I had the privilege of visiting Miriam Smith, and some of you know Miriam. Uh, Miriam went to be home with, uh, home with the Lord, uh, you know, I think last year. Um, she was 96 years old when Miriam passed. And I would go visit Miriam from time to time, and we'd have these conversations. And for those last years, you can imagine, uh, Miriam wasn't very mobile, and she was regulated to her chair. And we'd have these conversations like, Pastor, I, I don't know what God's plan is. I... I I don't know why God's keeping me alive for so long. I don't know why I, I'm here in this chair. I can't do much. I can't do this. 
And then um, one time she said, but you know what? I think I found out why God has me here. It's so that I can intercede for other people. I can pray for other people. And she took that very seriously. And, and Miriam was praying for everybody and everything. I mean, if you knew Miriam, she was praying for everybody and everything. Uh, and I used to, I used to love uh, the salespeople that would call her house, you know, and try to sell her something because they were getting a prayer meeting when they called her. And I'm like, hey, Miriam, you keep giving it to them. You keep giving it to them, right? I absolutely love that. Um, so First uh, uh, Timothy 2 says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people all people we can pray for everybody the seventh minute that transforms our prayer life and it's almost just like the previous minute uh intercession it goes hand in hand with intercession it's petition so petition is just like intercession except for you are praying for yourself instead of other people how many of you guys know that it's okay to pray for yourself please don't forget yourself when you pray right we need to take care of our, ourself and our own needs sometimes. Philippians 4, 6 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So we can pray our requests unto God. And the key word there that I have underlined is in every situation. There is nothing that you and I cannot pray about. We can pray about everything at any time. I know a lot of times we feel like we can't pray about that, but we can. You can pray about your job. In fact, I, I, you should be praying about your job and your coworkers and your bosses. You can pray about your finances. You can pray about... You know, how to, if you have a surplus, you can pray about how to spend that or how to invest that. If you don't have enough, you can pray about that too. God, man, I need a few bucks. You can pray about your family crisis and what's going on. You can pray about uh, what outfit to wear. Well, you got quiet in here, right? Instead of asking your husband, pray about it. You know, when I preach these things, I don't have anybody in mind when I say these things. They're not, they're not focused on any singular person anywhere in the congregation. You can pray about the weather. People pray about the weather all the time. Farmers pray about the weather. We should pray about the weather too. We can pray about God, give us a good day. We can pray about um, God, give us a good day on the lake. Right? Help us catch some fish today. If it's important to you, it's important to God. You can even pray, I don't know if it works, but you can even pray, dear Lord, please let him make the field goal. If you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, you really need to pray harder, right? You can pray those things. If it's on your mind, if it's in your hearts, if you are thinking about it, you can pray to God about it because prayer is a dialogue. You're talking to God about your life and what's important to you. There's a reason why in the Lord's Prayer he says, um, you know, 
give us this day our daily bread. We can pray for ourselves, ourselves daily. We can petition the Lord. The eighth minute that will revolutionize your prayer life is this. It's thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, we could spend forever here talking about thanking the Lord, but you know what? When you say thank you to someone, you know what that is? That's an acknowledgement that they have done something specifically for you. That has been to your benefit, to your kind. So you, what you're doing is you're expressing a, a, an attitude of gratitude when you say thank you. You're saying, I acknowledge that you have done something. And so when we say thank you unto the Lord, we're acknowledging that God has done something spe specifically for us. And what that does is when we say thank you, that allows them to know that we are grateful for what they've done. And usually what happens is our relationships bonded closer together. I know how I feel when people don't say thank you. Right? You guys know that, right? You know, like when you do something really nice and they should say thank you and they just snub you. Right? Like when I let people out in front of me in traffic and they don't even give me a wave or nothing. I'm like, jerks. Right? I didn't have to let you out in front of me, right? Um, but, but when they do, I'm like, okay, hey, you know what? It's nice. Their hope for humanity is restored, right? But that's what happens when we thank God. When we thank God, we're acknowledging what he has done for us, and we're reciprocating that in, in our own lives, and we're, 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 we're expressing gratitude back unto him, and it bonds us closer to him. We can thank the Lord for all things. We can thank him for um, our daily provisions. You know, uh, man, I have food to eat. I have shelter over my head and I got clothes on my back. That is enough to be thankful for, the basics in life. Um, but we can go on and be thankful for so many things. We can thank the Lord for what he's done for us, right? Just thank God for who he is. Thank God that he loves us unconditionally. That he chose me before the foundations of the world and he loves me. That he loves me enough to send his son to Calvary and die on a cross for me. Thank you, God, for doing that. Thank you, God, that you redeemed me. Thank you that you pulled my life out of the slimy pit and you set me on a firm foundation. Right? Thank you that my sins are forgiven. Thank you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit, which was once afar off from me, now lives inside of me. Right? Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, God, that you are right now ascended into heaven. You're making intercession for us, but beyond that, you are preparing a place for us. John tells us that. That God is working on an eternal home for all of us. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you that while I'm living down here, you're working on my retirement plan. Right? Thank you. And, and thank you, Lord, for your word that says that where you're going, you're going to receive me also. Lord, thank you for that too. Thank you that I don't have to worry about it. That my salvation is secure in you because you are going to receive me into the eternal home that, you've, uh, that you are building for me. When we thank the Lord, it pulls us and builds us closer in our walk with him. Number nine, the ninth minute that will revolutionize your prayer life is singing and reflecting. 
We read this earlier, uh, Psalm 100. But shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. So many times when we're praying, you and I, we get stuck for words. We're at a loss for words. Maybe we're, we're praying and we can't think of words in and of our own selves. So sometimes singing helps us do that. We can sing words that are already uh, put to lyrics. I mean, the lyrics are put to music, and we already sung them. And then they resonate somewhere deep down inside of us, and they get inside of us, and we can sing those things. When we don't have the right words to say, we can sing. For example, I was thinking of this song. Um, uh, it's called Do It Again, but um, the lyrics, they stick with us. Walking around these walls, I thought they'd fall by now. But you have never failed me yet. You know what? When we sing like songs like that, it reminds us of Scripture. It reminds us of Joshua marching around Jericho. Right? Uh, and so now my mind is thinking about the biblical account of how they must have walked around the walls and the struggle and how tired they must have felt and how they were putting their full hope in the, what the Lord was doing. And it reminds us that we too can call on that same God, that even when we feel that same way, and then the song goes on, I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe you can do it again. God, I know you're faithful. You were faithful then, and I know that you can be faithful right now in this moment. And then you get to that chorus, and you get to like that, that um, the thesis of the whole song, your promise still stands right his promises never fade they never go away great is your faithfulness the lord's faithfulness is what we stand on and we build on and the song says this is my confidence i'm confident that you're never going to fail me and so when we can't think of words to say we can sing songs or sing um, unto the Lord lyrics and they inspire us and they recall us and they draw us back into a place where we can commune with God. Singing and reflecting is always good to do in our prayer time. The tenth minute that revolutionizes our life is meditation. Joshua 1.8 says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it and because of that, because you meditate on it, because you do everything written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful. There's a formula for life, folks, if you're not paying attention. But meditation is simply thinking about the things of God. Take a minute to sit back and to think about what it says. This can be a scripture verse. It can be a song lyric. It can be what God is doing around you. But you and I, we live in very busy lives, and we're always moving and always going, and sometimes we, we don't catch the detail, we don't catch the beauty of the moment because we're moving too fast. Slow down for a second and meditate on it. Um, for example, uh, this week I pulled up, right when I was thinking of this point, I went onto the internet and I typed in a uh, verse of the day. Matthew seven twelve came up, so this was a random verse. It says, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. And so, so I begin to just meditate on this verse, okay? So in everything, okay, everything, Lord. So in, what, what does everything mean? That means all situations at all times, in, in good times and in bad times, in 
times when I feel like praying and times when I don't feel like praying. Um, times when I'm around other people and times when I'm by myself. In everything, in every situation I'm to do to others and, and, and I'm supposed to act towards others, not just people that I like, people that I don't like, people that have treated me fairly, people that have treated me unfairly, people that have waved me after I let them in in traffic, and people that have snubbed me in traffic, right? In all things with, with these people, in everything, do to others, that's all people, people I like, people I don't like, do unto them, um, let's see, what you would have them do to you, okay? Do to you, okay, well, well, I begin to ponder that, I begin to meditate on that. What does that mean, Lord? Do, you know, um, I want, I have to do to them what I want them to do to me, okay? Well, I want them all to give me lots of money, right? <laughs> but, but no, that's not what it means. I mean, kind of does, but, but I want them to just be respectful. I want to treat people with respect. And, and I want, you know, them to, to, to respect my, my time and my privacy and my, and my personhood, you know, and to treat me good and to be nice and to be friendly, right? That's what we all want, to live in peace with all men everywhere. I think that's one of the goals of the gospel. And so we want that for ourselves. And, and if we were to do that, this sums up, okay, sums, sums up. That's a summary. That's a good thing because I don't have time to read everything and figure it all out. Amen. Thank you, God, for giving me the shortcut. Right? Thank you, God, for giving me the, the, the cliff notes to it. It sums it up. I'm like, you know, when people tell me a story, I'm like, hey, does this story have a point? Let's get to the point, right? You guys get to that? No, no one wants to admit they know someone like that, right? Okay, so, so we're like, okay, get, get to it. This sums up. What, what is God speaking this? It sums up the law and the prophets. Well, the law is the first five books of the Old Testament. Okay, so it sums up Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It sums up the, the law. And then the prophets, which covers just about everything else in the Old Testament. All of the major prophets and all the... So the whole, the, whole, the whole of God's work is this. It's summing it up. To treat other people. In fact, the whole Old Testament, I think, is written so that you and I would know how to treat God and to treat other people. That's what it's about. So for meditating on that verse, we break it down and we spend time and we're saying, oh, we could read this verse in church and just glance over it and go to the next one, but it doesn't really sink in and have meaning until you and I meditate on it. Meditate on God's word. The 11th minute, listening to God. You know, conversation is a two-way street. One philosopher wisely said we have two ears and one mouth, so we should spend twice as much of our time listening than speaking. I think that's true. I think that's true. How many guys out there, just the men, know it's important to listen to your wife? It's important. It's important. When I listen to my wife, she understands that she can now share with me, and it's not falling on deaf ears. That I am listening to her. And because of that, what? She shares more with me. And she shares deeper feelings and deeper emotions. And the more she shares, the more I listen, 
the more I am trusted with them. And this is kind of how it works in our relationship with God when you and I spend time listening to God. When we listen to God, what we're doing is we're building intimacy with Him. God speaks more when He knows you're listening. It's, I mean, that is a profound uh, statement there. It's true statement. When you think about how easy it is, start listening to God and God will speak more to you. Lastly, I'm moving on real quick. Uh, praise and worship. Um, we, be, we end the last minute that transforms our prayer life, praise and worship. We end the exact same place that we began with. Um, Psalm 52, 9. For what you have done, I will always praise you. I will always praise you in the presence of your faithful people. How many of you guys know it's good to start your day praising the Lord? It is good to end your day praising the Lord. Amen. Amen. I mean, um, I'm going to invite the worship team to come, but as we're closing today, um, I honestly believe, church, that the tw these, 12, these 12 things will revolutionize your prayer life. And so today, by way of... Um, benediction what i want to do is i want to spend 12 minutes in prayer can we do that Tw just 12 minutes in prayer and i want to pray through these steps today so if you would would you stand with me for just a moment and i'm going to i know the worship team's still making their way but um we just want to begin praising the lord and we're going to walk through all 12 of these and brock maybe as you're doing on um, that you could rewind the powerpoint and we'll just go right back through them but let's just spend 60 seconds right now 60 seconds and praise and worship unto the Lord. And just begin focusing on the Lord and what the Lord has for us. Lord, we just want to worship you today in this place, God. Lord, quiet our souls. Quiet our souls today, Lord. You're the of it all. You're the of it a moment of waiting on the Lord just waiting to receive from him today just a moment of anticipation God do something do something in our midst
Now let's move into a time of confession. Just 60 seconds of confession. Just begin asking the Lord for forgiveness in your life and just forgiveness for the things that you've done. Forgiveness for the things that maybe have slipped your mind, maybe the things that have happened this week, the wrong attitudes that you've had, the wrong actions, the wrong things you've said, the motivations that were selfish. God, the time that we didn't spend in you, the time that we didn't spend praying. God, we confess, God, that, that we need you. God, forgive us our sins. Now let's just spend a moment um, praying scripture into, um, into your life. And you can open up your Bibles. You can recall something in your mind. Or you can use the verse that's up here. This is a great verse. Lord God, we read your word, Lord, and we stand on your promises. God, we fear not. Lord, we're not dismayed. God, we know that you uphold us. You lift us. God, that you strengthen us. God, we believe in your word. now we just spend a minute waiting on you God waiting for you to show up waiting for you to speak to us waiting for you to do something in our midst just a moment of intercession begin to call out the needs of those 
around you. Call out the, the needs of your family, the needs of your church family. God, begin to make intercession for them. Pray for our presidents and our our presidents and our country and our politicians and for our world. Let's just spend some time praying for ourselves. Ask God to use you. Ask God to give you strength. To show you mercy. Ask God to bless you so that you can bless others. Give you divine wisdom and guidance. Lord, I pray for more of the Holy Spirit in my life. More of your presence in my life. God, help me be more like you. church let's just thank the Lord for all that he's done begin to recall to your mind those things where God has come through and God has answered you thank the Lord for the blessings in your life the things that you know are from him the things that you don't have to worry about because you know that God's got it under, under control thank you God for health and for provision Thank you that we don't have to worry about tomorrow. Because you're there. You're preparing. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your love. God, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Your faithfulness, Lord, that's new to us. Thank you, God, that, that while we wander, God, you're always there pulling us back your Holy Spirit that speaks gently to us. God, thank you for your Spirit that draws us to to righteousness. Your kindness, Lord, that leads us to repentance. God, thank you that you're slow to anger.
let's just spend a moment singing unto the Lord. spend this 11th minute just listening to God. Say, God, speak to us. Speak to us today. Speak to us in this moment. God, reveal yourself to us. Help us be keenly aware and keenly attentive to it. to we want to conclude at the 12th minute the same way that we started we want to praise unto the lord would you just stretch your arms towards heaven and just begin to call out just begin to sing praises unto god and tell god how worthy he is how excellent he is how mighty he is Lord, we praise you in this place today
church today, if you uh, take these 12 minutes, these 12 minutes every day, you get to methodically walk through your prayer life, I guarantee it'll revolutionize it. You just begin to methodically work and you say, man, I've never prayed 12 minutes in my life. I, I'm used to praying 30 seconds at a time or a minute at a time or 90 seconds. Some of you, some of you 12 minutes is going to be a stretch, but, but now you can focus. Now you have a tool. Now you can help get past the flesh. And the cool thing, church, is once you get those 12 minutes down pat, then I'm going to challenge you spend two minutes in each category. Spend two minutes in each category. And if you spend just two minutes in each category, guess what? You'll pray almost a half an hour. You'll pray 24 minutes. But if you do that, and then you, you get into that habit and you pray 24 minutes, then you can add a third minute and a fourth minute. And if you were to pray five minutes in each category, upgrade an hour. An hour seems like an impossible amount of time. When was the last time we sat down and prayed an hour straight through? Well, now we have a tool. Now we have a plan. Now, it just doesn't seem impossible. It seems realistic and doable. Amen? Amen. This is something that we can do. We've been doing this on Wednesday nights and I know the first Wednesday night was on call, man, an hour, an hour. Let's do this now. Now that we've been doing this a couple weeks, an hour flies by. Yeah, we do an hour easy, no problem. So use this as a tool in your prayer life. Use this as a tool to grow closer to God. Uh, next week, we're going to wrap up our series, and uh, we're going to talk about how to pray through the day. How do we pray without um, God bless you guys. You guys are dismissed. Um, go in the grace of God today. Remember, if you're interested in getting a Valentine's Day thing, you can get one of those in the foyer. You can also sign up or find more information about the date night in the arcade. If you want to go hang out as a church family and all that stuff, a cheap Valentine's Day night, all of that stuff. God bless you guys. Go in the grace of God today.